This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's... Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. Maybe you should do a lot of things. Oh, well. I'm glad you saved your sassy comments for the (laughs) beginning of the show. I'm turning over a new leaf. Oh, look at you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Yes, yes, it's a new episode of the High Regard Show. Yeah, in which Nikki is feeling rather sassy. You could tell I... when we record in the afternoons compared to like after midnight. Yeah, I feel like I've got a little bit more energy. I've had recently had coffee. Like things are good to go. Oh well, all right. So, um, <laughs> good for you. What do you want me to tell you? Good lord, man! What a week, huh? It's been a week. Yeah, it's been quite a week. Yeah. Quite a long ass week. So, all right. Well, why don't we get into the week after a you heard? Let's do it. All right. You heard? This week's you heard comes to us from the corner of Convent Avenue on 149th Street. And I heard this nugget before work the other morning. Go on. Well, that's what happens when you reach the level of Rakim or Bismarcky. Good Lord. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone cite Bismarcky as a person of note. Well, like, you in have a music in, a, in the music world. Like, you know, like most people think of like, What's that song like? I don't know. The friend song, you know, Bismarcky, like. Oh yeah. What is it? You got what I need. Yeah, but yeah, you, you know. say he just a friend, but you say he just a friend. Oh baby, you. So you're surprised, growing up in Northeast Pennsylvania, that no one references Bismarcky. <laughs> Good <laughs> but, one. But I mean, like when you think of Bismarcky, like. I love music. Like music was like my bag for like a really long time with my career. So like. When people think Bismarcky, they usually think of yeah. He's you say he's just a friend. <laughs> That's so, exactly what you think of. Actually, I think what like a lot of people think of being that it is the year 2017 is who is Bismarcky? <laughs> <laughs> and that's this week's you heard. I mean, this week's you heard really has nothing to do with anything. I just wanted to. Like, it really doesn't have I wanna tr- anything to do with anything. I want to try whatsoever. to like bring Bismarcky back. I want to throw him, you know, throw him a, a helpline if he needs it. Why? Because why not? Well, he's either he's either like producing now and has his own label and is like doing really really well, or he's blown through all his money and is you know living behind the Shake Shack. <laughs> Those are the two options. I mean, I've seen enough behind the musics to know how this goes. <laughs> and since I haven't heard of anything being produced by Biz Marquee outside of your you heard segment, I'm thinking it's the latter of the two. Yeah, I'm like trying. He appeared on an episode of Blackish this year. Oh, well. And he performed a personal version of Just a Friend. Well, of course he did, because, I mean, if he sung any of his other songs, people would be like, who is that? And he, speaking of, you know, another hit show, he was on the Fox hit Empire last year, where he played just a friend. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever told my 16 Candle stories on air, have I? I don't think so. Is it going to be long or short? No, no, no. It'll be quick. Shall I time it just in case? I don't care. I have a little clock right in front of me. I feel like we just wasted like, you know, a total of 11 seconds saying that whole thing just now. So I wouldn't call it a complete waste. Let's just go right into it. So anyway, years ago, <laughs> I used to golf with these two guys 
all the time. We used to like travel all over northeastern Pennsylvania, New Jersey. It was every single Saturday and most Sundays when there wasn't some kind of kid sport to like be a part of. It was a way just to get out. So we would try to find the furthest golf courses we can. So one day, one of the guys comes and says, hey, there's a golf tournament, you know, down in like a little bit southern Pennsylvania. He goes, we can go down there. And it wasn't that expensive. It wasn't that expensive. You get a night stay. Super. Right? You get to play three games of golf, a night stay, and... Tremendous. You get free food, but... The big draw was the guy who wrote 16 Candles, not the movie, the song, <laughs> he was going to be there performing during the first night's dinner. I remember this story. Yeah. So here we go. We go out to this golf course, drive there, like two hours to get there, whatever it was, and... We go for a full day of golfing, and it's a pretty good time and stuff, and we're all pretty competitive, and everyone there is like 10 times more competitive than what we are. So we're sitting at our tables, and this one guy spills sauce on his shirt, and he has a total meltdown and flips out and starts cursing and throwing okay. shit. Stay on point. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the show starts. Now, the dinner. musical performance. Now, apparently, it's a doo-wop group called The Crests mm. that were formed by bass vocalist J.T. Carter in the mid-1950s. Is that name ring a bell? Um, none of it rings a bell outside of 16 Candles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you showed me the guy, I would, like, probably block it out like a trauma patient the way it worked out so we're sitting there we're eating and this you know this one guy flips out he leaves his wife at the table with us she is like horrified by the whole thing the three of us are just like what the hell is going on and how are we stuck here with this guy's wives like we left to get away from our wives and now we're stuck with this guy's wife right okay so all of a sudden this guy comes out and he starts playing 16 candles Everybody starts clapping. They're all happy. They're like, oh, it's 16 Candles. Yay. He gets done playing it. And everybody's like clapping and stuff. And we're like, man, that's really the guy who sings 16 Candles. And then after that, after he's done, he waits for all the applause to go down dramatically. Because I'm assuming that there was like a ton of applause. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Because like, oh it was God, all old people. Song. Yeah, it was all old people at this resort. So then next thing you know, he's like going, okay, he goes and says, the guy goes, let's see if you know this one. And he starts playing 16 Candles again, <laughs> right? So we're all like, oh, that's funny. Like, okay, that's that's kind of funny. But, you know, who's not down for 16 Candles back to back? That's cool, right? It's so, fun. I keep, he poke fun at himself. So he gets done singing it. And he goes and says, oh, thank you so much. And he goes and says, I know you guys like it. And he goes into it a third time. Now people are starting to laugh. And they're like going, okay, we get it. It's a bit, whatever. Like, wonder what this guy is going to play next. Song four, 16 Candles. Song five, 16 Candles. And it's at that point you realize. He only knows one song. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> I don't think this guy knows how to play anything else but 16 Candles. Like, he wrote 16 Candles and doesn't know how to play anything but 16 Candles. Oh, my God. So, since 1958, this cat has been playing just 16 Candles. Like, he's made his whole life around this one song. Yeah. And, like, the, we're just looking at each other like, what in the hell did we get ourselves into? So we left and we went down to this lake to go get golf balls out of. And was Bismarcky there? I hope get out of. No, was no, was he no. your caddy? I wish he was because I'd be like, well, at least we know what happened to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> we know he's not. We know he's not stranded behind the Shake Shack like we first assumed. <laughs> so we pulled balls out of the lake, and one of the guys fell in it and had to walk through where the dining room was soaked. Soaked and filled with like moss and shit, like all over his shirt. We're walking through the dining hall. 16 candles still being sung a half hour later. Still what being sung. What were people sung. doing? Like, what was the reaction of the people that were still in the audience at that point? Everybody was so aggravated because they were just like, there's no way this guy's only going to. Like, it just seemed like people were waiting for something else. And the next day, there was one guy on the golf course who we just happened to be paired with, and he was like, yeah, he goes, I stayed till the end. And we're like, no way. Why did you stay till the end? We pushed one of our guys in the lake just to get out of it. Just out of frustration. <laughs> and he goes, 
I just thought maybe he would end with a different song, something. He goes, but it just stayed 16 Candles. He didn't even vary it. He just sung it the same way every time. Well. That's friends. That's, 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 that's friendship, yeah. Well, no, no. I'm saying that's oh. friend, that song, that, that Biz Marquis oh. song. You say he's just a friend. Like, that's literally what it's going to be. Like, you're going to see Biz Marquis in some golf resort, like, somewhere, just singing... You know, you say he's just a friend. I, I guess so. But surprisingly, this week's episode is not about the song 16 Candles, nor Bismarck. Wait a minute. Did I get the wrong memo? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. But you know, better late than never, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm glad we veered like, a, you know, a quarter of the way through the show to find out, get us back on track. Thanks, Nikki. By, Thanks for jumping in. But by, by my estimation, you're... 16 candle story was five minutes, by the way. Good Lord. <laughs> All right. It's better than 16 candles, 16 Thanks for minutes. for sticking with us. <laughs> it's less than a candle a minute, for Christ's sakes. Get over it, people. Anyway. For just for just 25% of a candle a day, you can help support the High Regard Show. And the singer of 16 candles. And, yeah, I ain't giving him nothing. Anyway, so this week's show actually does have a theme, believe it or not. Um, It is the Five Points Festival, an inaugural designer toy and comic convention that's happening this coming weekend in New York City. Um, It's going to take place at Pier 36 on the Lower East Side on May 20th and 21st. And it's hosted in part by Clutter Magazine, which is, you know, in the world of like the toy collecting industry and it's also presented by midtown comics which is like a really big comic you yes, know, it is. store here in the city and sponsored by play crafting all right i that's it that's what the show's about there we go we're getting on track <laughs> we're getting there we're getting i remember there. now i mean the interview is only <laughs> yesterday but i mean and I you remember did it now. So that's like, right well i mean come on you're going by my memory at this point in time i, now, I, I don't mean, know if that's a thing i guess we have to because you're deal. the one that talked to josh one of the co-founders of clutter magazine and you know which is putting on the five points festival that's it so josh was great to have on got a couple of questions into him why don't we roll that fabulous bean footage yes please let's okay Hey, Josh, it's Tom from the High Regard Show. How you doing today? Good, how are you? Very good, thank you. I know you're super busy getting ready now, right? We are. I'll bet. All right, I'll try to make this as quick and painless as possible for you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in a car driving down to the city, so I've got the time. Okay, yeah, well, there's always traffic coming into the city, so. Right. So this is the first Five Points Festival. How did the idea for, the, uh, for it come about? Are we already recording? Oh, yeah, we're recording. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we, uh, you know, about seven well, seven years ago, Clutter started the Design and Toy Awards. And okay. it's been an incredible event that has anchored the community of designer toy artists since its inception. And year after year, we've always felt like it could be a bigger uh, celebration with more people and really be anchored to a larger event. So when we were fortunate enough to meet Westfield Media, it was an idea that resonated with both of our organizations to do something, you know, larger and uh, much more expansive and bring in comic book artists and gourmet food trucks and have a beer garden and, you know, but really, you know, the origination was from the amazing times that we have at the Design Toy Awards. All right, so it's been like a seven-year process in order to get it going as of right now, huh? It's absolutely, absolutely. Wow. And, you know, Clutter was founded, I think, 13 years ago. Okay. Now. So, I mean, you know, all of this has been, you know, it's a labor of love for a long time. I guess with the amount of time you'd have to put in, it would have to be. <laughs> so, with the focus on designer toys, comics, and artists, it might draw a comparison to Comic-Con for some. So what sets Five Points apart? We're really focused on the art and the artist. And spiritually, we're very, very uh, just focused on 
the, the craft and the maker, and it's not about celebrity culture. So I think that's the main point of difference. Okay. You know, you're not what you're not going to find at Five Points is Doctor Who or a Batmobile, but what you are going to find is over a hundred of the top comic book artists in the world. You're going to find all of the top designer toy makers from the U.S., England, Japan, you know, from all over the world. So it's a much more focused artistic event than your average convention. Nice. And so far for this year, um, it's the inaugural, inaugural event, like we said. What are you most excited to present at this show? Oh, my goodness. There's so many cool things happening and so many amazing people coming. I would say that, you know, for me, this is about creating a home in New York for our friends and, and fans and family from all over the world. So I'm excited for everyone to be there. Just about every designer toy maker that's coming in is bringing an exclusive uh, of one kind or another. And if you follow us on Instagram at Clutter Magazine or at Five Point Stuff, you'll see all the different exclusives that are coming out and just incredible work. I couldn't highlight necessarily one of them. Uh, we are, uh, another thing I'm super excited about is we're working with the Lisa Project to have a mural painted downtown uh, Manhattan uh, by Kano, who's a fantastic street artist. Uh, Six Point Brewery has created a five point beer called Mad Scientist that we're gonna be able to sample for the first time at our beer garden. I mean, so many amazing things are happening at the convention. And of course, uh, uh, Designer Toy Awards this year is just going to be incredible. We're at Webster Hall with Morgan Spurlock hosting. I couldn't be more excited about that. Yes, that is super exciting, actually. like that That's kind of like was the draw that got us to you guys in the first place. Um, just touching back on what you were saying about the craft beers. How did you decide to include craft beers and food trucks in this year's, you know, for this year? One reason I think, you know, is based on the inspiration of the entire event, and another reason is just pure selfishness. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the concept of Five Points, again, is focused on artists and, and creators, and we felt that craft beer is absolutely an art form, and of course, who could dispute that gourmet food is also something that, you know, not only, you know, visually pleasing, but it's you know, satisfying in every way. So it was a perfect fit on a conceptual level, but uh, on a personal level, you know, we're people as Clutter Magazine who, and as a Clutter Gallery, where people have done a lot of conventions over the years. And it's just a misery to me personally, not to be able to have a full, amazing beer in the middle of the day with all my friends and all the fans around, and also to have some good food while we're all together. So. It literally sounds like you have the best job in the world. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. It's our first year. Everybody oh. come and party with us, and it'll be my job. <laughs> <laughs> we have to work on that. <laughs> so uh, let's see. In, in like we you mentioned, like the designer to the, the designer toy awards are also happening as part of the event. Um, how do you think that the toy awards will differ this year? as opposed to previous years now that it's part of, you know, part of this? I feel like it's maturing. Okay. You know, it's taken uh, seven years for us to get to this point in terms of the process itself of selecting the artists and, and the nominees uh, from all the different brands and, and uh, toy manufacturers and the different self-produced artists. So, you know, our process is really streamlined. And the fact that we're able to do it at such a beautiful venue like Webster Hall with such amazing talent as Morgan Spurlock really just brings it together on another level. You know, we've had uh, some good parties in the past, and a lot of great people have been awarded. But uh, my, my hope is that this year just feels like, wow, you know, we did it. We're, we're there. Nice. And how did Morgan Spurlock's involvement come about? Morgan Spock is a really, really cool guy, uh, just a nice, nice guy, and he's a big toy collector. He's really into the scene. He's really into what we all do, and 
I bumped into him a few times at different art openings over the years, and it was just very organic. You know, we said to him, would you be interested in doing something like this? And it was just a no-brainer for him. You know, we had to coordinate schedules a little bit and make sure that it worked for everybody. But aside from that, you know, he's just a huge supporter of the designer toys. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So do you plan on making the Five Points Festival an annual event? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, there are lots of things that we wanted to do this year that logistically we just weren't able to pull off in an inaugural year. So, you know, year two, we already have a, a bunch of ideas lined up to make it even bigger and better. Nice. And are you a collector yourself? Oh, my goodness. Every second Saturday at our gallery in Beacon, New York, you can come and hang out with us, see our new art opening. We have a designer toy art opening every second Saturday. And you can see our entire collection. My wife, Miranda, started Clutter Magazine, and myself have a very, very big designer toy collection that we've amassed over the last 13, 14, 15 years. Wow. How did you get into collecting? I originally was around Kid Robot at its inception and saw what was happening at that point, you know, kind of as a, a, an outsider and uh, really appreciated it and thought it was cool. I, um, I, I actually went to school for sculpture at NYU, so I have an art background. And, you know, I, I always, you know, dug what they were doing and uh, Miranda started collecting, you know, in the early 2000s as well. And just, you know, over the years, it's just grown and grown, you know. For me, it, 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 a lot of it was lifestyle and wanting to collect these really amazing objects uh, for my apartment. And uh, it wasn't necessarily about being completist at that point or, you know, buying tons of stuff. But over the years, it's just become a, a serious habit. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's an addiction, but it's, it's a serious habit. I was going to say, you very cleverly avoided the word addiction there. <laughs> I was also going to say the word fetish, because I think a lot of what people buy, you know, you you really grow to love certain types of toys, and sometimes it's just hard to say no. I'm sure, I'm sure. So do you remember your first collectible? Um... I think the very first, my first collectible, geez, I mean, when I was a kid, I had, you know, toys that I, that I hung on to, you know, Star Wars action figures, some die-cast, um, uh, you know, Japanese toys from when I was a little kid. The, you know, the genesis uh, of the real collecting for me was when Tristan Eaton gave me a Dunny prototype, I think in 2002, uh, when they were first creating them. And that was, you know, the first time like, I think I actually really held what would you would consider a designer vinyl toy. Although I, I, at that point, I may have already bought some uh, kaiju figures from some little uh, random shops in Midtown. Very cool. So as of right now, and I'm sure this can change, especially after this festival, because there'll be a lot more collectibles coming up. Um, what is your most prized possession, would you say? My most Um, it's like asking to pick uh, out which one of your kids is your favorite i know i know (laughs) i love my three children (laughs) most um you know in terms of of things that we own um geez it's really hard to pick you know i've got a couple of jeff lamb pieces that i absolutely adore that i think are some of the best finished pieces uh, they're made by Unbox. They're um, uh, so one's a Spike Watt and one's a uh, Five Bravo. Um, uh, I love my Nag Nag Nag, and I've got a couple few, couple pieces by Restore, and of course, you know, Rampage, Union Vinyl Hardcore. I'm more of a Kaiju collector, Sapphire collector, um, but you know, it, it, I'm all over the map too. All kinds of stuff. I can't answer the question. Next I think question. 
I think that's an art background. <laughs> and, and I feel like anybody who has an art background is kind of like all over the map. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It depends. What five minutes are we in right now? I, I, I cover different things at different times. That's it. So one final question for you. So we're very familiar with the name Five Points, which is a story part of New York's history. Um, what was the inspiration behind the name? We wanted a name that wasn't uh, just another comic book convention name. And the, the, the DNA of this festival really finds its, its roots in New York City. And, you know, growing up in New York City and all the things that we've ever loved. And it, it, the name completely goes back to the historical name Five Points. You know, we wanted our festival to be downtown. We wanted it to be spiritually located in New York. And Five Points name just really fit. And then it was fun to actually come up with the five points of interest for the festival. So we've got, you know, our designer toys, our comic book artists, our street art, our food and beer, and New York City. All right. Are you a fan of the Gangs of New York movies? Oh, my God. I think that Daniel Day-Lewis as Bill the Butcher is probably the greatest performance of all time. <laughs> have, you ever, <laughs> have you ever thought about what your uh, Gangs of New York name would be if we were to travel back in time? Uh, I, I, I haven't, actually. It would be it would be something like Toy Promoter or something like that, I'm sure. <laughs> something like that. All right. I think that's all the questions we got for you. That was great. Great. Well, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was a really great interview. Thanks. <laughs> God, you're such a douche. Like you I just know, the interviews aren't difficult when you write the questions and somebody else has to answer them. All I have to do is read from a paper. It just makes my job a hell of a lot easier. Well, I'm glad. I I'm, I'm I'm glad that I could help. You know, but it was a really good conversation <laughs> that you had with him. And you know, and it was nice and short for once. It's <laughs> usually when Tom does the interviews. Imagine that they often stretch hours and hours long. Well, he didn't ask me about Bismarcky or Sixteen Candles, so we really didn't have much to talk about outside <laughs> of the festival. <laughs> I was like, "Don't you want to know my Sixteen Candles story?" And he was like, "All right." He goes, "But can we finish the promotion of my event first? And I was like, "I guess." <laughs> Tom will probably cut that part of the interview out. Tom cuts the things that make him look ridiculous. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so I mean, the festival just sounds really awesome. I mean, what drew me in, first of all, was the name. Because as you all know, I am, I fancy myself a history lover of New York. Mm-hmm. Or a lover of New York history, I guess I should say. I was getting yes. too, my, I got so excited to use a very fancy accent that I. And who got you into that? The person who introduced you, you to Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York, which is all about the Five Points. It is. Uh, the Five Points is a historical neighborhood um, that kind of doesn't really exist anymore. You know, there are portions of it, but it was called the Five Points because it was where these five major thoroughfares in early New York met on the Lower East Side. Um, you know, the Gangs of New York lived there, so it was like a really like it was like full of tenements and you know people who came to this to the city like in the mid 1800s and stuff like all converged there so it was people from china and germany and you know wherever ireland and ireland i know jesus i'm like where the hell's the other country where's the other country (laughs) where's the other country so it was like just all these like you know it was truly why new york city is considered the melting pot because all of these people from different cultures came and lived together and fought like cats and dogs from the bowery boys to the dead rabbits to every other gang fire departments yeah the fire departments i mean like it was everything was so like it was so corrupt so corrupt so if you like are ever interested in reading about new york history like you should definitely read you know gangs of new york and the five points books that are out there they're fantastic but i loved that you know the name is what drew us in because we love that that aspect of new york but then the fact that the event like it isn't just like you know a toy and comic convention it's also food which i mean obviously i love and craft beer like so it really just truly like seemed like it celebrates 
everything that New York is. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, like, um, you know, in talking to Josh, he was saying, because I was like, you know, where did this name come from? And he was like, they wanted, like, a gritty feel to Mm -hmm. it and stuff like that and a real New York feel to it. And, I mean, regardless of what New York becomes or has become over the years, like, the soul of New York is five points. Like, that will never, ever go away, no matter how many tourists go here. Like, this, the, the thing that sticks with New York is, like... It's it's history. Right. So, and that's like something as you see like sanctuary cities becoming such a thing in the news now. The reason that like New York itself is fighting and I don't agree with anything, you know, pretty much that like the mayor of New York does or says. Usually not. Usually not. But like <laughs> when when he's standing up for immigrant rights, you know, while some of it might be kind of veered a little bit political, you know, for political standing because it is election year. Um, it's just the the things that we're fighting for are the things are the cornerstones of this city. Yeah, but nobody gets that. Like, I mean, it's it's hard because I mean, if if you research New York and you know about right. this the city, the Statue then, of Liberty is the, the exact icon of that. Right, and it's it's crazy how many people forget what the meaning of the Statue of Liberty right. is when they're like, oh, I can't believe New York is going to allow people in. Right. But how the hell did we get into a political discussion? Well, we didn't. We're just touching on it. Like, that's like, we're touching on, like, how this is, like, a melting pot for people who are collectors and, and love the culture of, toy, like, designer toys and comics in a way that is no longer, like, in, in a way that, like, purists really might not be welcome at bigger events or you know longer events like say comic-con well comic-con is such a weird thing like i i don't feel like mm, having been to comic-con many 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 years in a row um i would say that very high-end collectibles are not really the niche market of comic-con like comic-con is kind of like where you go to find like mass-produced stuff or like maybe stuff that's mass-produced but not easy to find necessarily in your city. Right. So like, you know, you go there and it's kind of like, oh, I can find like cool Captain America action figures or a really Or possibly see them from afar, like from the Marvel panels that you can't get into hardly, you know? Right. But I feel like there's not so many collectibles that you're going to get that's going to be worth something down the road. Right. Or, you know, it's not so much about... It's about, just like Josh said, it's it's we're not about the celeb culture. You know, we're about the artists and the people who collect it because they love the artists and their work. And I think that's what really, you know, sets this apart and is going to set this apart in the future. Yeah, and I and you know the other thing about Comic Con is is the crowd that it draws in. I mean, it draws in just like mainstream people. I don't necessarily know if you would get like the typical like mainstream people running around like for a collectible type thing where they have craft beers and they have like fine foods and things like that. Like you know, right. the Five Points Festival. I don't see it like Sunday at Comic-Con where it's kids day and just kids running rampant yeah, all no, over the place. No, it's like it's it's just like there's like this like animalistic atmosphere at Comic-Con and that's a thing that like I'd never really liked. You know, but I mean I don't want to like put this even in the same sentences as, as Comic-Con. Like I think it definitely is is a completely different world. It has a different focus and I think that like that's what's really going to set it apart. And plus you know, it comes on the heels of the seventh annual Designer Toy Awards uh, right. that Josh talked about. You know, that's going to be hosted by Morgan Spurlock, which is like a really big deal. Um, you know, and he's like a really big collector, which I never knew about until, you know, Josh let us know that. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. And I know the Kid Robot stuff is absolutely incredible stuff and that's kind of like the draw for me when you know of course the name five points also you know because right. me, like i said i'm the one who told you about gangs in new york so anything right. with the name five points is gonna immediately grab my attention um but the kid robot stuff um there are these little like it's like little rabbits i mean they, they make them in different sizes and stuff like that and they're all like so cool looking and they are uh they used to have a store down by my work in Soho. Really? Yep. And um, 
you know, like I remember people in my office used to collect these little kid robot dolls and they make big ones too. Yeah. But they used to collect these little ones. And I remember just looking at them being like, man, these are just so cool because I've never seen a doll like this before. Like these little yeah. action figure type things. And then, you know, it got to the point where it was like, where do these come from? And then you walk past and it's like this, it's a store that sells these toys for the most part, but I remember it's so high it, end. I think. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's not like a regular toy store. It's like going, it's like a high end toy store. And you're right. like going, yeah, like these are definitely worth something as opposed to your typical Star Wars action figures that you would buy. Right. You know, that there's a trillion of. Yeah, I mean, they have, like, I'm just, like, looking at their website right now, which is kidrobot.com, and I remember seeing the stuff, and I, I'm pretty sure that I remember oh, going yeah. past the store. But they have, like, this one section that is incredible, and it's just, like, Andy Warhol stuff. Yeah. Like, they have, like, rabbits. They have, like, a little, like, an Andy Warhol Campbell soup can, and then, like, this little, like, mini Andy Warhol that comes with it. Like, and it's really cool, and they're, like, under 20 bucks like one thing is like 250 there's like 150 dollar one but then they have like a plush banana that's really cool that's like black with like the banana his banana print and yellow on it (laughs) it's like really cool like do you like i know that we don't have anything displayed here but like what was something that like you had collected you know like were you into collect i mean i know my brother collected like star wars characters but like we didn't collect them we played with them oh blasphemy (laughs) um i collected cards for the longest time Mm -hmm. like i have tons of baseball cards um i have every single card that was ever made from star wars episodes one two and three like every single one the og trilogy yep and which is really four five and six right like for those keeping track but but in my time like it was always the first three star wars like the the real first three star wars Wars, are like crap star wars but um also star wars figures as well i'm from the first three movies i have every single action figure still in the boxes like in my parents basement like you know sealed up so awesome and and I, you know, always wanted to open them up and play with them. And I was like, no, because they might be worth money since it's an entire right. set one day. <laughs> and, you know, as broke as I am, do you think I ever went and saw how much they were worth? Nope, <laughs> not yet. Nope. <laughs> not yet. Nope. Yeah, I never really, like, I collected, like, Garbage Pail Kids because they were, like, really, really popular when I was a uh, when I was a kid, like, in the 80s. And, um, like, I collected them. Um, my dad knew somebody who worked at Tops, who was the company that, like, manufactured and distributed, you know, the gum and, and all that oh, stuff. Cool. So, like, we used to get – he would just come home with, like, the big boxes with, like, all the individual packets inside. So oh, I had, my God. Like, so I had so many more than my friends, which was awesome. But it was, like I, – and I think they're probably still, like, in my closet at my parents. I, that, I should look into that because yeah. it might be worth something. Who knows? And then as I got older, like, I didn't really, like – collect too many things but i did collect like like retro green glass like mostly like ashtrays yes that, that is was true. like my thing and when we get a different apartment i definitely want to bring them and put them on display because i loved them because they're so pretty like with the light <laughs> shining through them you make it sound like we're going to a bigger apartment we so we're going to probably go to a smaller apartment <laughs> we don't know we don't know we'll see we'll see what happens <laughs> might be not going to any apartment <laughs> who knows well fingers crossed <laughs> yeah you ain't kidding so um you know my thing with the kid ro- with the uh, sorry not the kid robot stuff i mean i do like the kid robot stuff but my thing with the five point festival is i feel like i would be afraid to go there right now because i think i'd go hog wild on <laughs> buying too much shit is you know you d- might. definitely a fear for me personally <laughs> You very well might, but it sounds really, really cool. Like it sounds like a really cool event, and I think you all, y'all, should go check it out at Pier Thirty Six on the Lower East Side, which is a very cool part of town. Yeah, you better get there before it blows up and winds up in the Javits Center in a few years from now, and you're gonna be like, "Oh, man, I remember when I was able to easily walk around and you know." <laughs> I'm sure if it reaches that level, like they're gonna keep it because they're not about the whole culture that. You know the Javits that something held in the Javits Center would be like. I think they're gonna keep it. You know, a really intimate cool. kind of yeah. Like they're gonna keep it really cool and just kind of like because they're in it for the love of collectibles, the collectibles, yeah, beers, beers, music, 
yes. <laughs> so if you want to learn more <laughs> about the Five Points Festival, because I can tell that Tom is going to take this like down a road that we ain't got time for. I got more stuff if you want. <laughs> <laughs> you can, of course, we'll have everything in the show description as always, because we're good like that. But you can check out fivepointsfest.com, and then you'll be able to find their all their social media stuff too. There you go. All right. So thank you so much, Josh. Good luck with the first Five Points Festival, and we can't wait to check it out. Yeah, man. And, um, you know, good luck with everything, man. That's what? Saying man. good luck isn't a good thing? It isn't. It, I mean, it, it is. I'm sorry. I meant to say it is. Well, I jinx them. Oh, don't give them your luck. I've given them anybody's luck but yours Anybody at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. I can agree with that statement. So... Do you want to get into a roly-poly rorty? You want to get into a roly-poly rorty, you do? Do you have something to talk about? Well, there's always something to talk about. Well, then let's get into it. All right. You're brave. So what to talk about? So what do you have to talk about, sicko? Oh, no, man. Right? Like, oh, my God. Crazy stuff. Um, well, let's see. I was put on new medicine that was told that I would either gain or lose some weight. So don't freak out over it. Right. And you had a lot of concerns over that. Like, I know oh that you were God, very yeah. panicked out, like, because you haven't really been able to get out of the house. and At all. At all. Like, so you're not walking. You're not, like, getting any type of movement beyond going, you know, from room to room within the house. So... Yeah. How has so, that been going? So the panic has set in and I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So I'm on this medicine now for like a week and I'm like, what the hell is this going to turn into? And I weigh myself on Thursday and as it would happen, I wound up losing two pounds. You piece of shit. So obviously, as of right now, it is having the effect where I am losing weight being on this medicine. Maybe as I should go to on gaining it then. You can go on it if you want to go on it. I mean, take what you want, man. <laughs> me, me pills is you pills. <laughs> I don't know the Spanish word for pills, so I just try to do like, you know, really cool lingo, but that didn't work out. But, um, you know, it was it was concerning, but now, I mean... You feel a little easier, like a little like you're a little like resting at ease now. Is that the right way to say that? I'm resting at ease. Resting at ease. I'm resting at ease, soldier. <laughs> at ease, soldier. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, it's still weird because I don't know like with these things um, if – if down the road somewhere it's going to switch and instead of losing weight, then all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, now you're gaining weight from right. it. Or like if it stays this way or how long I have to be on it for and whatnot. And, you what know, not? and it's crazy because one of the other things about, you know, having bariatric surgery, I believe, of any kind um, is that you don't know what kind of medicines you can take. Sure. Like it is such a hassle, like getting like an updated, like medical list. Cause every time you go to a doctor, you gotta like definitely make a hundred percent sure. Like, listen, I had a sleeve done and you know, that's going to affect everything because while you weigh me and you say, right. okay, you weigh 189 pounds now, Next week, I might weigh 186 pounds. Sure. So, like, you have to take that into consideration when you're giving me medicine. Plus, the, the walls of the stomach now aren't as thick as they once were, so it can't be anything that's acidy. I mean, there's, like, this whole list of stuff where once you get it, it kind of complicates a lot of other right. areas. So, you know, it's, it's weird. I feel like every week we have, like, a new tip of, like, hey – look out for this if you plan on getting the surgery right yeah i definitely think we do and, and i think maybe we should like come up with like a like a composite kind of thing so that people know like hey these are some things that like we came across that we weren't told that should really like be you know in your radar if this is something that you're thinking of doing yeah because i mean they do tell you like up front pretty much about like you know um your diet's going to change. You're of not going to be hungry yeah. as much. Uh, yeah, obviously. But, um, you know, like, like they, they tell you, like, broad strokes. Right. But I feel like everyone, everyone goes through the same thing when it comes to, like, 
medicine. Like even vitamins, for crying out loud. I mean, you have to take so many so vitamins, many vitamins every you're morning. You're always chewing your vitamins. <laughs> chomp, 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 chomp. Well, luckily, because, you know, you have to, for the most part, you have to try to get gummies because you can chew them down to almost nothing and then, you know, they get in your stomach, they don't take up a lot of room. But seriously, in the morning time, there are four pills that I have to take in the morning. Those four pills come out to like almost a meal by the time it's done right. because they don't dissolve for a long time. So if I take those first thing in the morning, it's like, well, there's no breakfast until those are completely dissolved out of my stomach and then I right. can move on. So I totally get that because when I got sick, because I do get sick too. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but when I recently had a bout of bronchitis, they were like, you know, you really need to start like taking daily vitamin C. And so when I get up in the morning, like the first thing I do is I turn the Keurig on so that I could have coffee as soon as I'm out of the shower. But yes. then I started taking the three like chewy, like orange flavored gummies that are like the vitamin C. And my God, like, and, like I chew them and like I'm like getting ready to take a shower and I'm just like, oh my God, like they just keep, like they just don't go anywhere. And it's like, Mwah. It's just like, it's so much to have that early in the morning. But it also goes to show how psychological eating is just in general. Like, if you're chewing on something, chances are you're not going to get up to go get something to eat. Right, yeah. And that does, like, and I do find that, like, even though, like, I have a completely ridiculous appetite compared to you, like, you eat something and you're full. Like, I get in these moods where I'm a goddamn goldfish and I can't. I can't eat enough food. Like there are just days that I have that way. Like like yesterday, I've been like kind of dragging ass because I haven't been sleeping, and it's like no matter how much I ate, I was just like I'm still hungry just because I'm in that like exhausted mode, you know? Oh yeah. But I find that like when because I'm taking those gummies, and I I was taking some of yours here and there, like the the vitamin C ones. Yeah. I find that that does tide me over to like get to work. And I'm not like sitting on the train like maybe I should have my breakfast because I usually take like something from home for breakfast to eat at my desk. And I find that like having those three gummies really does like keep me kind of full until I get into the office like an hour and a half later. Oh, yeah. And and serious like the, mine, I kind of just wad them up into a ball like all the gummies at <laughs> once and I chew on them. And I mean, I'll put them in my mouth. I'll, you know, come in the living room and like a half hour later, you'll be like, what are you eating? And I I'll know. be like, I'm still eating my gummy vitamins because I mean, they last a long time. But, you know, again, if I don't chew them up, like to the point where if like if I just had pills, like I said, if I have the four pills in the morning time, like I'm not hungry for another hour. Right. At least yeah. because of the way it is. And you were always like that. Even when you would have like like a sucky candy or something like that, like you <laughs> would have it in your mouth like an hour later and I would be like, What are you eating? Like, did you get up and get something and not like ask me <laughs> if I wanted something? And you're like, Oh, this is still like the Werthers or whatever from later from before and I'm Nobody like Nobody wants those to go away. I'm like I like suck on mine for like a second and then I'm like, okay, like I'm bored. Like, and then I crunch it because I just like, it's in my mouth. I got to chew it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like to, I like for things to last, but I mean, seriously, that's one thing they don't tell you is that like, you know, pills are a meal. Like you're going right. to have to get gummies. So there were just so many like little tips and I don't know. I mean, I feel like in all the pamphlets that they send out, it's just not enough information, like, as you're reading up on it. Right. And, you know, even on the support groups, like, there's, like, so many Facebook support groups and things like that online that you can, like, get a hold of where it's people, like, write their experiences mm -hmm. and their stories. You know, it's been, like, a little over six months now, and I'm, like, still to this day, like, every once in a while, I'll log on and I'll look at these groups and I'm just like, oh, and holy crap, I didn't realize this is coming down the pipe at some point in time from people who wrote, right. like, a year in advance to a, like, you know, I wound up gaining weight back. I lost weight. I, you know, and it's, you know, I know that there's always a threat of gaining weight down the road, but Which not is probably inevitable, as... you know, as people age, you know, that kind of becomes harder to do to maintain, but... Yeah. I mean, I think you're off to a good start. I mean, aside from, you know, it's like the, all the other health shit <laughs> health that's going that on. The, kind of come whether or not it's from the bariatric surgery or, you know, pre-existing things, which you have had. So it's, shh, oh, shit. What's wrong with you? You trying to make me lose my insurance? <laughs> Holy shit is right. Shit. I have no pre-existing conditions. You have nothing. You are healthy as a goddamn horse. That's right. I told all my doctors, like, I need, like, stamps of 100% medical approval and all my <laughs> records from this point past burnt to the grounds if they want to keep me as a client because it's the only way insurance companies will allow exactly. it. Exactly. 
So, I mean, you know, I mean, we'll always have, I think, a roly-poly roly because there will always be some kind of new finding. There's a with, new door to open. Like literally every week. All right. But I finally broke out of 190 pounds, which is good. I'm down to 189, which, so I'm in the 180s. That's incredible, babe. Like, that's awesome. And the majority of my workouts has been literally laying on the couch or in bed. He's, so he's, he's he's doing the sloth exercise regime right now. That's right. I'm doing the dream exercise. Is what it is. <laughs> it's literally a dream. I lay all day and lose weight. Here's how you can too. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it doesn't take much. Just a bunch of nausea, some dizziness, and you know, fainting every once in a while. But that's cool. You can handle it. Hey, man. It, nobody ever said that beauty wasn't hard to obtain. No, and you get to eat a lot of like salted pretzels, so that's good. Hey, man, you can't put a price on that. <laughs> All right. So I think that's it for this week's Roly Poly Rorty. I eat. And so, too, the sun must set on this week's episode. Aww. <laughs> Which we shall call the 16 Candles in Five Points episode. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know what the hell happened there, but all right, it's go good. I don't know, but maybe, Josh, your name of your gang of New York should maybe be the 16 Campbell Gang. I hope not. They were so annoying. They were so <laughs> annoying, that guy. But not Josh. Josh was no, a good No, Josh guy. was awesome. Yes. And that was like a really cool event, and I definitely think you guys should check it out. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for coming, Josh. If you would like to find out more about the Five Points Festival, check out our website. We'll have all the links in it. And, of course... You can learn more about us on our website at highregardshow.com. And as every week, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or whatever the hell it is you plan on sending us, send it to highregardshow at gmail.com. And you could always follow us on social media accounts as High Regard Show. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up, eh? Oui, oui, mon chéri. All right. Well, everybody, have a great week. We'll see you right back here next Monday. Catch you later. Good night. Oh